Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to discuss from a biblical perspective. We're here to take those calls, answer those questions. We're also here to pray, pray for your prayer requests. So if you are tuning in and you have something that you would like prayer for, I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call. and We'll pray for you together with everyone tuning in and listening, able to say amen as they're driving in their car or as they're at their desk at work or wherever they might be listening to the program today. I want to welcome all of you who are tuning in in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. You're hearing this show live today. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program, everybody. We're so glad that you are tuning in. We want to remind you that those of you listening on the East Coast in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. So keep that in mind. But we want you to still call in and be a part of the show. Because as you do that, as you give us a call, as you as we pray for you, you guys who are listening on the delays, right? So you guys on Hope FM and Truth FM, you have a unique opportunity where you can call in, you can be on the air, we can pray for you, you can ask your question. And then a week from now, when the show airs on your local station, you'll have the opportunity to tell some friends, hey, tune in. I'm on the radio, listen to me here. And that is also a great way to introduce people to your local Christian station. So we encourage you to do that, and we want to hear from you, but we just want to remind you that those on the East Coast and uh, Tennessee area, you are listening to the program on a one-week delay. And we also want to give a big hello to everyone who's listening live online right now. So many of you do that, and it's increasing number all the time. And so we're so glad that you are tuning in online. If you don't yet have our mobile app, then we really encourage you to go get that. So go on your phone or on your tablet into your App Store or Google Play Store, and you can just go in and type in Grace FM as one word. It should come up right away. It's a free app. You download it, put it on your device, and then you can listen over the Internet to this show and all the other great programming here on Grace FM anywhere, not only in the country, but anywhere in the world. And speaking of that, we have um, we have a map that I just saw of who's tuning in. So looks like a lot of listeners. Uh, this is a interesting one. We have a lot of listeners in Utah right now, uh, several actually. And we don't. I I haven't personally ever seen such a big number from Utah tuning in. So welcome all of you listening in Utah. We're glad that you are with us. Give us a call. We want to hear from you. We also have a lot of listeners, of course, along the front range of the Rockies here in Colorado and into southern Wyoming. And we have some listeners in uh, Washington, Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, Chicago, uh, down near Louisiana. Looks like um, some listeners in Pennsylvania and along the eastern seaboard. So 
We're so glad that you guys are tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. We'd love to hear from you. I love it personally. I love hearing from uh, some of our listeners who are tuning in um, from areas that are not in our uh, broadcast range. So as you see, we have some listeners now tuning in, also Las Vegas and some in international listeners uh, in Ukraine, for example. So glad to have you guys tuning in. Give us a call. We want to hear from you no matter where you're tuning in from. We'd love to hear from you, pray for you. We'd love to hopefully answer some of those Bible questions you have, the things that have come up in your reading that you're confused about or maybe you want more information on. I'd love to uh, dive into those questions with you and hopefully bring answers and clarity and maybe help you. Maybe there's something that somebody has said to you at work and you're like, well, I'm not really sure I know the answer. Well, this is a great place for you to come on. And even as you ask your question, there's probably other people out there who are tuning in and listening who would benefit from hearing uh, the answer to that question. So you do everyone a service by calling in, and we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. You can also text us, 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. As we're waiting for those calls and texts to come in, I'll just uh, give you a few um words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I have been here now for eight years. I took over this church in 2012 uh, from the founding pastor, who is a friend of mine named Pete Nelson. And uh, over the past eight years, you know, we've seen the church grow. It's been an exciting thing. We just moved into our own building, which is a big prayer and a big effort that we put in for a long time, saving money, and uh, looking of places. I feel like I got a PhD in commercial real estate during that period. I learned more about leech fields than any pastor should ever need to know. Um, and thankfully, God led us to a building that doesn't have a leech field. So uh, now if anybody just wants a consultation about leech fields, I am your guy. So we just moved into a, a building of our own. It is at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. We are in the we are on the east end of town so we are right near i-25 so we're in between county line road and i-25 here in the east side of longmont right on highway 119 in fact right now i'm looking out my office window and i'm looking at the flat irons and seeing highway 119 it's a beautiful thing here in longmont and we are right across the street from sandstone ranch community park and sandstone ranch is our big sports complex here in longmont if you've ever um played there you know that there's soccer fields football fields there's a skate park lots of uh, sports and things going on right at sandstone the whole city has to come out here for different things including festivals as well and we are directly on the opposite side of ken pratt boulevard from sandstone ranch so we are at 2950 colorful avenue here in longmont colorado the zip code is 80504 if you're looking to write that down put it in your gps and come worship with us our church is open and we would love to have you worship with us. We're following all the CDC guidelines and the state of Colorado guidelines as well for social distancing, for being safe, keeping a contact-free environment. But these past three weeks of regathering and opening up for services, we have had a lot of visitors and we've had a lot of our church people be able to return. And it's been really, really, really encouraging to see people's faces, to sing together, to open the Bible together, to study together. And we would love to have you join us if you are in the area or if you'd like to come up for a Sunday. We'd love to have you. Our services are at 9 and 11 a.m. 
between 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And you can find more information and directions if you didn't get that address. It's over on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also hear me on Sunday mornings on Grace FM at 10 a.m. And you can also hear me every weekday at 2.30 p.m. during our regular, our, our church's um, show that broadcasts at 2.30 p.m. every weekday and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Again, check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. You can also join us online. We have a full, you know, online church going as well on Sunday mornings, also at the same service times, 9 and 11, so you can join us in person or online. And um, our service is broadcast right there on our website as well as on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page. We'd love it if you'd connect with us on social media. Just type in Whitefields Community Church in any of your social media apps, and you should be able to find us and connect with us. Let's go to our first caller. We have uh, an anonymous caller from Greeley, Colorado. Hi there. Welcome to the program. Hey, hi, Pastor. How are you doing today? Doing very well. Pastor, what I, what I wanted to hope for some insight from you or some perspective, um, with all that's going on with this coronavirus and all the social unrest and all the misinformation that's going around, it's, it's created a lot of ill feelings in me. Uh, and because of that, it makes me question my faith. Um, I'm a Christian. Uh, I, you know, God says, go out there and put it out to everybody. And, and I haven't, with all this stuff that's just going on, I, I don't have the capacity to give out with anymore. Hmm. And I was wondering if you can give me some perspective, because the, all the stuff that's going on here has really, um, really hit my faith hard. And uh, I know God wants me to think good of all people, and and it's just becoming so difficult in these times. Can you offer any insight or encouragement? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate the call. I, um, I've had some people in my church who I've talked to who just find themselves saying the very same things you're saying. So I appreciate the call. I think that there's probably a lot of people who can relate with you, feeling discouraged, feeling frustrated. Uh, seeing people do things and seeing all this tension out in our society right now. Here's what I would tell you. You don't necessarily, I, I wouldn't necessarily even tell you you need to see the good in other people. Uh, here's what I would tell you is that you are called to love them even if they aren't good. And here's the good news about Jesus is that he loved you when you were still his enemy, when you were caught in what the Bible would call foolishness and sin. And he chose to place his love upon you and love you, not because you were lovely, but in spite of your unloveliness in a way that would then transform you and make you lovely. And I think that what I would want most people to know during this time is this. You don't have to fight these cultural battles. You don't have to become a crusader for your, um, for your cause or your political persuasion or even your feelings about um, race issues or your feelings about the, you know, whether people should wear masks or not. Uh, basically, I want you to know this. You have a calling from God to uh, love people and point them to Jesus and encourage them. What's really good to know is that there is a judge out there, and it's not you and me, and it's Jesus, and he's going to sort all this stuff out in the end. We actually have the freedom of just getting to love people, including people who have views that you might consider ridiculous. 
You know, I just think about Jesus on the cross. He's looking down and he's saying to these people who just beat him and ripped the skin off of his body, nailed him to a cross, spit in his face, put a crown of thorns on his head. They cast lots for his clothing. You know, they mocked him. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're lost people. I think that when you view people according to their spiritual condition, there's two things that happen. Well, I'll just start with one. There's at least one thing that happens, and that one thing that happens is that you begin to have compassion for people. And I just think about Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives looking over the city of Jerusalem, looking at these people who he knows in just a few days' time are going to gather and they are going to say, crucify him. Let Barabbas go free. We want, we want the murderer rather than the savior. And he looks over the city and he weeps over the city, um, not, because of, not because he hates these people, but because he loves these people. These same people who he knows are lost, they're betraying him. I guess it's like this. If you look at a person and you see that their behavior is bad, well, it's pretty easy to judge them. But then if you find out that the reason their behavior is bad is because they have some sort of illness, they have some, so, something, some sort of malady, then suddenly you change from looking down on them, being frustrated with them, to having just overwhelming compassion for them. And I, I would just encourage you with these thoughts. Let's have compassion for people and let's, uh, let's love people where they are and remember that we don't need to set everything right. Uh, in as far as people's thinking goes, and we don't need to fight every every battle that the the media tells us to fight. One of the things I always tell my staff here at church is this: I say, I want to be known for one controversy in my whole life. I don't want to be known for every controversy and my views on it, but I want to be known for one controversy. There's one hill that I want to die on, and that is the controversy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want that to be the one song that I sing, the one drum that I beat for the rest of my life. And if I do that, I, I feel that I will have fulfilled my calling. And, and I think that that's our callings as Christians. Think about what Paul said here, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, well, I'll start at, I'll start at verse 22. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Holy Spirit. I don't know what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. But check this out. But I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So for me, that's been a defining thing for my life. So when things happen, like what's going on right now with the coronavirus crisis, what's going on with um, tensions racially, you know, my take on this is to, to immediately begin thinking, praying, looking towards what are the special inroads here that this opens up and creates for the gospel? You know, what, what are the unique opportunities that this, this difficulty or this uncomfortable circumstance opens up for the gospel, and how can I serve God by stepping into those places? You know, as, uh, as right now we've had this whole disruption with church and everything, and, and I, it, it was really hard to not meet as a church. Towards the end, I really got frustrated, and I was telling my wife, I was just so discouraged. 
And then we're now able to do it again. But you know what? During that time, uh, there were huge opportunities. We were sharing our services online, posting so much content online so that people could get it. And I know that people were being reached by that content who weren't being reached before, including many of my friends and family members as I was sharing stuff online. And then we had people come to know the Lord through it, people getting discipled through it. And um, it was, you know, God brought some really beautiful things out of this difficult time. And I believe he still is. This is why James tells us in James chapter one, he says, count it all joy when you face various trials. He's not saying that we should be, you know, uh, sadistic and say, yes, I love, I love pain. Give me more pain, Lord. No, what he's saying is that when the pain comes, you can rejoice knowing that God is faithful and he is going to bring something really glorious out of this. And, uh, and we live in that, I guess you would call it a hopeful expectation. Wow, Lord, what are you going to do? How can I be part of what you're going to do? This is a new season. Everything's disrupted. Where are the inroads for the gospel? So that would be my, um, my advice, and I hope that those words landed somewhere with you. Cool. I don't know if you're still there or not, but um, thanks for that question. And let me pray for you and others who are struggling at this time. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friend here in Greeley. I also pray for others in our church and people maybe listening who have just felt very frustrated and discouraged during this time of COVID and social unrest. Lord, I pray that you would encourage their hearts. Lord, that they would be able to truly say in their heart of hearts with James that they count it all joy when they face various trials. And Lord, um, as Paul said, that we could truly rejoice not only in the hope of the gospel, but we can rejoice even in our sufferings and our struggles, knowing that you use them to bring out good things in our lives and for your work through us. So Lord, encourage our hearts, strengthen us in faith, and Lord, by your spirit, help us to see the doors that you're opening. Help us to walk through them. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got two open lines right now. Uh, again, the number to call will get you on quickly, 303-690-3000. And let's go to Brandy in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Brandy. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Thank you for taking my call. Um, so I got into a great conversation with a friend of mine who is in his mid-20s, grew up in the Bible Belt, and um, has lately been questioning his faith and um, really starting to study science and and, and trying to understand where Asia, where all of these countries that are like thousands and thousands and thousands of years older than the Bible, where does that all fit into the picture? And also he's questioning, like, how can a, a child that's in some island who's never heard about Jesus, how are they going to go to hell? So he's, he's questioning a lot of things um, that he never really thought about. And I I want to be able to eloquently speak to him about these things. And I was wondering if you could um, just guide me and lead me to some resources that I can share with him on those matters. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so on the idea of an old earth versus a young earth, was that one of the questions he had about 
the age of the earth or was it more anthropological yeah. questions? Um, it was, I think, old earth versus new earth. But, or uh, he, he just was wondering, like, the people in Asia who are much mm, older okay. than the Bible, where do they fit in in the scheme of things? Where, where are these people who were around much more uh, way before biblical times? Sure. Yeah, so, so that's an interesting question um, because a lot of people, I think there's actually a lot of assumptions there, and I, I would be curious to talk with your friend. Uh, I have a good friend in our church here in, in Longmont who is an anthropologist. He has a degree in anthropology from CSU, and, um, and as he has become a Christian as an adult, um, he has really found that a lot of his his studies of anthropology, you know, they line up with the Bible. And yet there, there are probably some things that you wonder, okay, how does that line up still? Now, one of the things to remember is that um, the Bible itself was written over 1,600 years, you know, so coming up until 100 or so AD. So the time when the Bible started to be written was a certain time, but it, the Bible does talk about things which go back to the beginning of human history. Now, if you want to talk about old earth, young earth, the resource I would refer you to is called the Discovery Institute. The Discovery Institute, and you can check them out. They actually have a local chapter here in Colorado. And again, a member of our church is on the board of the Colorado chapter, and they have done some great events. Um, they did one up at CSU recently, one at CU Boulder, and they've done some down in Colorado Springs and in Denver as well. But what they do is they get, you know, real scholarly and scientific people in there with, you know, like legit professors and things like that who are Christians. And they answer a lot of questions. Most of their questions, though, are related to hard sciences, biology, chemistry, etc. Whereas it sounds like your friend's questions are more soft sciences, anthropology and things like that. So um, as far as anthropology goes, I would refer to you a couple websites. I'm sure there are some better ones. Actually, I'm going to refer you to a couple books, um, and these books will hopefully answer many of those questions. Uh, as far as cultures in Asia, now let's remember that, again, the Bible covers periods of time. It's covering people in Mesopotamia. Now, from there, there were other people who spread out into other regions of, you know, farther outside of Mesopotamia, both in Africa and Asia. And I guess this question is, are you saying that people who don't believe the gospel, perhaps they've never heard of Jesus, are those people saved or are they condemned? And if they're condemned, how is that fair? Is that more along the lines of his question? Yes. Yeah, that that was definitely something that he was touching up in. It, it, it was really kind of more of a flood of doubts that he's been feeling. And um, yeah, he's just been doubting a lot of things. And yeah. Okay. So before I give you a couple of resources, let me just answer some of those questions. One of the things that I find really interesting about the Bible is that it does actually um, give us a very different story of human anthropology than, um, than the one that's commonly taught in, from a more evolutionary standpoint. And we, we even call it like evolutionary anthropology, right? So the story the Bible gives is this. We started with one man and one woman, which again, even evolutionists would agree with that at this point. They didn't used to, but now they do. So they, um, they agree. We came from one man and one woman. One couple gave birth to every 
person who, who now lives, right? We all descend from one couple. And then what happened is as they spread out over the earth, this is what I find so interesting. The Bible tells us that it wasn't that people basically came to discover that there was one God or came to believe that there was one God, right? It wasn't that we started out worshiping animism, meaning trees, the sun, the moon. Then over time we developed, you know, abstract versions of God and then we came to believe ultimately in this like evolutionary model into one God. Actually the people from the beginning knew God and they actually didn't like following God and so they turned away and they created religions of their own. So that's actually what we see happening in not only Genesis, we see that in the book of Romans. It says that people, it wasn't that people didn't know God, it's that people didn't like the God that they knew or they didn't like that he had control. So they, they kind of eschewed him and tried to create their own systems of worship. We also see that in 1 Kings, the section I'm teaching this Sunday, and as a matter of fact, has to do with this question of how can we say that one religion is better than the other? And it, it comes from a text in which a guy named Jeroboam created his own religion of to serve his own purposes. We see it also in the book of Exodus where they create the golden calf because God didn't give them what they wanted. So that's the human anthropological thing that the Bible tells us is that we started with one couple who knew God and they moved away from God and created these other religions. As they spread out, they created their own faiths. Now that gets to a question again, which your friend asked, which is, um, how can God hold these people accountable, let's say, who live in jungles or who haven't heard these things? Now, there's, there's two answers to this, and they really come down to one point, and it's found in Romans chapter 1. And that is this, that most people know enough about right and wrong to understand that they have sinned, that they have done wrong, and that they have knowingly done wrong against um, God even as they know him. And there's a, there's a great example of this that's used by Francis Schaeffer. And Francis Schaeffer, you know, he has this book called The God Who Is There. And, um, and he says in this book, he says, think about it like this. If one day you stand before God and God asks you a question, and the question is, you know, you had a recording device on hanging around your neck. Just imagine you did. Hang around your neck. And every time you use the words, he should have or she should have, it started recording. Basically, it's recording a record of what you think is proper behavior, your moral standard. And then you weighed your life against that. Would you hold up to that standard? And he says, none of us would meet that standard, not to mention the fact that God has revealed his standard, not only in our hearts, in our minds, like innately, but he has also revealed it expressly. Okay, so all this to say, what he's saying is that every person in the world knows that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all know that there is some sort of God who created us to whom we are accountable and we know that we have fallen short. Now, as far as children go, there's another uh, argument which I think can be made pretty, pretty soundly, biblically, and that is the idea that before a child reaches a certain age, we call it maybe an age of accountability, that that child uh, will receive mercy from God because what we see is that the reason why judgment comes from God is not uh, against sin as, um, you know, we're born with sin. It's actually the judgment of God comes against disobedience. And so that would be my answer to that is that I think that God is going to show mercy to children, both 
um, whether they live in Asia or whether they live wherever, uh, who have not had a chance to come to a real uh, age of accountability and understanding of who God is. And I think that there are some examples in the Bible which point to that fact. So I would, I would hold that view. As far as other people, I would hold the view that uh, God will hold them accountable according to what they know, but according to Romans, everyone has sinned and they know it. And so the only way to receive mercy is to humble yourself before God and cast yourself upon his mercy. So we need to go to our break right now. Um, I can give you some more resources after the break. You don't have to hold, but if you'd like to, I'd, I'd feel free to talk to you after the break as well. Yeah, I'd um, love so, to hold. Okay, thanks for doing that. And we'll be right back in two minutes time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We have two open lines right now. It would be a great time for you to call in with your questions about the Bible, with your prayer requests. We'll be able to get you on very quickly. So give us a call, three zero three six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Okay, let's go back to Brandy in Denver who has uh, a friend who's doubting his faith and um, wanting to talk about some resources. So, Brandy, are you here? Okay, I don't know if Brandy's still here or not. I can't hear her, but um, Brandy, if you are listening, I told you that on the other end of the break, I would give you some resources. And here are a few resources for you to, uh, to check out and to hopefully help your friend. I'm going to recommend a website. It's called Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. It's also just rzim.org. R-Z-I-M. And, you know, Ravi really, and his team, he has an entire team of people who do everything. They cover, they're basically specialists in different topics. So everything from anthropology, like your friend's question, uh, to things like sexuality. Um, they have a great guy named Sam Albury who who deals with issues regarding sexuality. Uh, everything from philosophy and science, uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministry, and they have local speakers and leaders and teachers around the world. So they contextualize incredibly well. I would just really, really recommend them. So Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, or just easily enough, rzim.org. Okay, another resource I would recommend for you on books would be, where was the first one that I wanted to do that for you? Yeah, so Timothy Keller has a great book called The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism. I highly recommend that book, The Reason for God. And Timothy Keller, what he does in this book, he's, he says, you know, there's no one slam dunk thing, but you can build an incredible case 
for the existence of God by looking at all of these things that he calls the fingerprints of God that are all over everything. Now, he, he would actually argue that the, God has not given us a slam dunk, you know, door closed case on the existence of God because there still needs to be an aspect of faith. But if you look around, you know, it's like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can feel its effects. You can see its effects and you can prove that it's there by looking at those things. So um, that book is called The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. And another book that I want to recommend to you is one that just came out last year. Also very good. It is called, where did I just had it pulled up. Now one second, I'll find it for you. Here we go. Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. So Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. And so... I would recommend those books. Uh, there's also a good book by Ravi Zacharias himself called The Logic of God. And that is uh, another very good book on answering some of these questions. There's uh, another good website that I can recommend for you called alwaysbeready.com. And the benefit to alwaysbeready.com is that uh, the guy who runs it has a ton of links to even more um, even more resources then you might um, be able to find on his website he'll give you links so he's also a good one to tell you where to find the other information and I see there Brenda or Brandy that you just also texted me um, and so I got your text messages and I'm glad that you're able to be tuning in so those would be my recommendations I hope they help you and your friend but I'd, I'd love to have a follow-up call with you at some point to see how it's going Okay, God bless you, and thanks for calling in. Thanks for tuning in. Um, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the host of the Calvary Live Show every Friday with you today, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the call-in line is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We've got all open lines right now, and we we are ready to take your call and get you right on the air. If you would like to call in, we'd love to talk with you, pray for you, and hopefully answer your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you talk, like to talk about from a biblical perspective. Um, I see that someone here. Uh, texted in a question, and here's what they asked. They said, someone posted online that they don't understand how believers can argue for the New Testament. His question was, did your God get it wrong the first time? That's why he had to do a New Testament. What would you say to that? So it sounds like uh, this post was from somebody who really doesn't understand how the uh, New Testament and the Old Testament work. And essentially, um, I think I've actually heard Christians kind of articulate the same idea, right? That with Jesus, it was kind of like God's plan B, right? Like plan A didn't work, and so he had to have a plan B in order to save us because uh, plan A was, didn't work out, right? So the idea being that God gave the Old Testament and kind of gave a way of salvation, which they would say is, you know, follow these this law, these rules, make these sacrifices, and that will make you right with God. It'll atone for your sin. It'll save you. And then that just wasn't working out. People weren't good at it. They were co constantly falling away. And so God sent his son to save us from a problem that was created by 
us not being able to keep the law that he sent the first time. In other words, Jesus was God's plan B. Now, of course, that, that's a fundamental misunderstanding of how salvation works and how the Bible presents itself. And here's, here's how we know that. Because in the New Testament itself, it takes us back into the Old Testament and shows us that before the law and the covenants uh, at Moses, right, the, the law and the, the Mosaic covenant, which was the Ten Commandments and the sacrificial system, before any of that existed, there was such a thing where God declared people righteous by faith. In fact, this, this is mentioned over and over in the New Testament, and especially it goes back to the story of Abraham. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 15, God tells him, hey, I'm going to do this for you, and it says that Abraham believed God, and it says that as a result of his belief, through his belief, God credited it, credited it to him as righteousness, or counted it to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham was declared righteous by God on account of his faith or through his faith. And this was God's gift of grace that was given to him. And then, and then actually, if you follow the biblical narrative, you can see that this actually forms a pattern where people are saved by the grace of God through faith in God, apart from the law. The law actually comes after the salvation appears. Another good example of this is found in the book of Exodus, chapter uh, well, I was going to say, I have to look it up, actually. It's uh, Exodus where God leads them out of, the, out of slavery in Egypt. Do you remember the story? And God, they're in Egypt, and they're in slavery. They're crying out. Um, they're in bondage, and God saves them. God calls them out of there. This is chapter 12. God, you know, the Passover, chapter 13, he leads them out of Egypt and into the, through the Red Sea and into the uh, wilderness. But here's what's so important. Did God save them because they kept his laws? No. They actually hadn't even been given any laws yet to follow. So God just chose to save them. And then it's after they're saved, after they have um, been redeemed by God out of slavery and out of bondage, that God then gives them his word and the law to follow and enters into a covenant relationship with them. So that's, that's a really important model that we see brought out in the New Testament where the New Testament shows us that this is not a new thing. This is not like plan B. It's not like God changed his mind and said, well, oops, that didn't work, so I'm going to do something else to save people because they failed at the first thing I gave them. No, no, no. This was God's plan from the beginning was to save people by his grace as they receive it through faith. And the way that what we receive is actually the righteousness of God given to us as a gift, and we receive it by faith. And so uh, I would just say that to your friend here who posted this, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the New Testament says and why the New Testament exists. So in other words, I would also put it this way. The Old Testament revealed the problem, and the New Testament reveals the situation. The problem is that we are unrighteous. We have fallen short of the glory of God. It's not that we don't know the right things to do. It's that we are incapable of doing the right things. And because we have failed to do the right things, we have become un unrighteous. Therefore, we are separated from God. And therefore, God has stepped in in his love and grace and mercy to save us. Um, and that is the solution. So the Old Testament reveals the problem. The New Testament reveals the solution. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks for writing in.
My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and you're listening to Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. You can also call in with your prayer requests. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk with you, hopefully answer some of those questions you have. So give us a call and let me know how I can be praying for you, what those questions are you have. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Hey, I want to let you guys know about something going on next week. Um, Calvary Global Network is having a conference. This is their annual conference. And uh, it's usually it was it's a pastors and leaders conference. But because right now of the pandemic, they've decided to open it up to anyone who wants to come. It's going to be completely online and I'm going to be part of it as well, um, doing a seminar on um, expositional preaching. We just recorded it today. It's not uh, free. It's ten dollars. But I think actually I think some of it is free. And to get the uh, special content, which would include the talk that uh, we recorded today about expository preaching, uh, I think you have to pay $10. But I'll tell you what, that's $10 well spent, and that conference is going to be next week, so starting on July. Uh, actually, I guess it's the week after next. It's the one starting on July 3rd. And going for a couple of days, I would just encourage you to check that out. You can go over to Calvary Global Network. Just type that in your uh, browser. Their Calvary Global Network conference, and it should come up. And I'd love it if you guys would uh, check that out and maybe consider paying the 10 bucks, watching the seminar that we did on expository preaching, and hopefully you'll get something out of the messages as well. So you can check that out. That's coming up soon. Again, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303 690 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to another text question that had come in, and that is this. Um, someone said, Why does the Bible not express what Jesus did as a youth after being found in the temple as a youth, and what was he doing during the 40 days in the desert as he was tempted by the enemy? Okay, well, let's talk for a few minutes about Jesus' um, youth, and I, I do have a few thoughts on that. I'm just going to pull them up. I've written them down, so let's see. Jesus' childhood. Yeah, you know, there are some things called the childhood gospels which purport to tell about what happened to Jesus during his childhood. But they, they're actually proven to be um, written later, like actually 200 years after the fact. And, um, you know, you might have heard of the Gospel of Thomas, for example. That's a you know, classic example of an infancy gospel or, or one of these stories that purports to tell the story of Jesus before he was an adult. Because it did, you know, the, the Bible does kind of leave a gap as far as like um, what happened during Jesus' childhood. Um, what's, what's interesting is that we would believe that um, basically there was nothing really worth telling during those early years of Jesus' life um, beyond what was told. And one of the reasons why we know that is because it says in John chapter 2, verse 11, that when Jesus turned water into wine, that was the first of his miracles or the signs by which he manifested 
his glory. And so, you know, when we read like the Gospel of Thomas and it purports to tell some stories about miracles that Jesus did during his childhood, we can say, well, wait a second. How is this text, which claims to tell about things Jesus did during his childhood, how is that um, true if he did miracles when the Gospel of John, which we actually trust much more, says that the first miracle Jesus did was changing water into wine when he was 30 years old as he stepped into ministry. So my again, my guess is the reason there isn't more written about Jesus' childhood is because there wasn't much to talk about. He spent his first several years in Egypt as a, as a refugee. And then at age 12, his parents noticed that he had kind of a keen desire to know the Father and study the scriptures. But beyond that, Jesus and his parents, of course, they would have known all along that he was the Messiah. Remember, the angels spoke to Mary and told her that Jesus was the Messiah. And um, and so, yeah, we see that Jesus stepped into that role and at age 30. But prior to that, he lived a pretty normal life is what it would seem. Yeah. And another example of here's why, you know, just going off a little bit topic why we don't believe the gospel of thomas is is a legitimate gospel one of the reasons is because of something called what we call anachronisms anachronism is something which it'd be like if you talked about uh if you were reading a book written by william shakespeare a play written by william shakespeare you know a couple hundred years ago and in the play it mentioned mcdonald's well you would say well wait a second they didn't have mcdonald's when um Shakespeare wrote this play, so this must not have actually been written by William Shakespeare. Well, there are some things like that uh, in the Gospel of Thomas, things that didn't exist at the time of Jesus, which are mentioned kind of in a passing way, but they're kind of details that are mentioned, which tip us off that this book was actually written hundreds of years later, not actually at the time of Jesus. Another reason is because the way it portrays Jesus is also very different than the way that the rest of the Bible portrays Jesus. You know, one of the criteria for a book being included in the New Testament was that it actually match the theology and the teachings about God that are taught in other parts of the Bible because we believe that God is not a God of confusion, but a God of order. And so, um, like, for example, one of the, if you read the Gospel of Thomas, you kind of come away from it. I, I had to read it during seminary. And you come away from it going like, wow, that was just weird. It was just strange. Like, there's this one point where Jesus builds this kind of water thing that collects water in a muddy street. And he's playing with it. it makes, I guess you would call it a dam that he makes. And then this other kid comes along and breaks the dam. And Jesus gets mad and he curses this child and the child, the other kid who hurt, you know, broke Jesus' dam, he curses him and the child withers up and dies right there on the spot. It just seems pretty out of character for Jesus, especially considering what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, etc. you know, where Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus, the high priest servant and Jesus puts it back on. And so it just seems very out of place. And so there are, there are several reasons why basically no legitimate scholars take the gospel of Thomas seriously. But what did Jesus do during those years? It seems that he lived a pretty normal um, childhood. We know that he lived in Nazareth, but um, archaeologists believe that the Jewish community there in Nazareth a lot of them were builders, and they worked in the nearby Greek-speaking town doing a lot of building over there. So we see that Jesus probably spent a lot of his life working in construction with his father and his father's family. 
and not much beyond that, except that he had a keen interest in the things of God, and his parents knew that, but they also knew that he was the Messiah. So thank you for that question. Very good one. Uh, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. We've got 10 minutes left, so we could take one or two calls. The number to call again, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got a text message came in. and says, can you explain 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul talks about marriage and how it's best to not be married if you can. Yeah, let's go over there and take a look at that passage. I'm going to take a look at it together. I'll just go there now. So, you know, here's what's really interesting about Paul and marriage is that many people would argue, and I would agree with them, that Paul must have been married at one time. And the reason we know this is because Paul was a member of what was called the council. It's also called the Sanhedrin. This is the Jewish ruling council of 70 leaders. Very prestigious thing to be included in the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. But there were certain requirements. And to be a Jewish person in good standing meant that you had to be uh, married. So there were a few things that you had to do, and one of them was to be married. So it's very likely that when Paul writes what he says about marriage in 1 Corinthians 7, he's writing it from the perspective of somebody who was married at one time, and then his uh, wife, it seems, has left him because of his Christian faith. And he's saying now, uh, he actually gives some instructions. He says, hey, if your wife wants to leave you, or if your husband or wife wants to leave you because of, of your Christian faith, then let them leave you. He says, but don't, don't you leave your wife. In other words, don't say, now I'm a Christian and my spouse, husband or wife is not a Christian. Now I'm going to divorce them and marry a believer. He says, don't do that. Here's what he says, starting in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 7. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. He says, was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Then do not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was it, uh, then he goes on to talk about that. He says, um, if you were married, you know, do not seek to be not married. If you were, um, you know, if you, yeah. So he, his point in this is to say this. He's saying that it's okay to be single because if you're single, that frees you up to serve the Lord. And Paul lived his life with this, with this focus. He said his life has a mission, and his goal in his life is to fulfill the mission that God gave him, just as we read earlier in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, I don't count my life as precious to myself, only that I may fulfill the calling that God has put on my life. And so Paul lived his life very missionally focused, and what he's doing is he's calling the Corinthians to live their life missionally focused. And the idea here is that if you have a wife or a, a husband, a lot of your time and attention is devoted to your marriage, things of your household, and that can be a beautiful thing, and it can glorify God, and it's a good thing. He's not downplaying it, but he is elevating the role of singleness. And I have to say, I think this is a very meaningful thing in the day and age in which we live, in which I think Christianity has been uh, so much on the advocating for family side, which is very good and right and biblical. We should advocate for families that we have also missed the fact that the Bible really, really lifts up and says, hey, you can be a full person and live a full life as a single person because you can give your whole heart over to God and to his work. 
And I would just encourage any single people out there in this way is to say this, you guys actually have something which, um, you know, I, I would say the Bible is saying here in 1 Corinthians 7, don't spend all of your time bemoaning the fact that you are not married. Rather, enjoy, respect, live out the great opportunity you have as a single person to give your whole heart and your whole life to God. You're free to go wherever, do anything, every night be involved in ministry, be involved in Bible studies, building people up, growing and seeking the Lord. That is a really, really cool thing. And you can have meaningful relationships in the church, in the body of Christ, as a single person. And I'll tell you something else. There is probably nothing more attractive either in somebody to see somebody who is passionate about something. And so, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of an irony to it that I know when I, I met my wife, what attracted me to her and her to me is that we had both, you know, separate from one another. We had said, I don't care if I ever get married. I am going to live my life wholeheartedly for the Lord. And then one day you look over and you see this other person. You say, you know, if I was going to marry somebody, though I don't have to, I would marry somebody like that because she's got that same ethic of living wholeheartedly for the Lord. And again, I think it actually uh, will lead you to much greater happiness. Paul talks about that. Be content with where you are. It doesn't mean don't try to change your situation. Don't pray that your situation would change. But be content in the season that the Lord has you in. And I believe that's what Paul's saying here, is to be in the position that you are when you are called. Live wholeheartedly for the Lord. If he chooses to bring somebody into your life, then that's uh, gravy, right? That's just the uh, icing on the cake. So I hope that answers your question, and it's a good one, and thanks for texting in. Uh, we have another text message came in, and it says, Hi, Pastor. Uh, my name is Amber. I called your church to see if I could speak with you. No one returned my call. I'm going through a lot, and I feel the need to talk to a pastor to help me through what I'm going through. Um, Amber, yeah, thank you for um, reaching out and letting me know about that. You know, um, I know that uh, we have somebody who does answer our calls and calls people back, and he's really diligent about it. And so I know that for sure he will get that information to me. But uh, let's pray for you over the phone here, and then I will follow up with you on those uh, those issues that you want to talk about. So Heavenly Father, we lift up Amber to you. We pray for her and what she's going through right now, uh, the difficulties. So we pray that you'd be with her, encourage her, and help her, Lord, to get in touch with someone uh, who can really, truly help her. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, and I see we just got a message from Bianca who wrote in earlier. I'm sorry, not Bianca, Brianna. And she is connecting to the Discovery Institute. Yeah, I was, I was talking with someone offline here just a second ago about the Discovery Institute and what's so great about them. Is that what, one of the things I like about the Discovery Institute is that they don't necessarily start from the point of view that says, here's what the Bible says. And, and here's why that's a good thing. Now, I, of course, would want to start from looking at where, what does the Bible say? Because I believe that the Bible is true, the word of God and its authority. But there are other people out there, like Brianna's friend, who um, don't believe that necessarily. And so what the Discovery Institute is really good at doing is they, they say, let's start with science and see where the scientific evidence will lead us. And as they do that, they invariably find that the scientific evidence points to a 
intelligent creator, and not only an intelligent creator, but a loving creator who uh, has given us their life. So, um, yeah, I see a text message just in response to what I just said saying this. So would you say that we have to start from somewhere? And uh, yes, I would say, um, oh, are you saying, would I have to start from somewhere else with someone who doesn't necessarily believe the Bible? I say there's two ways to go about it. Either you can go the route of showing a person why they should first believe the Bible and then showing them what the Bible says. But I think that there is enough what we call general revelation or common grace, but this is generally talked about as what's called general revelation, which are things in nature. This is Paul talks about this in Romans chapter one. It's talked about in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glories of God, right? You can look out, you can see that the rain falls. There's a, there's a system in place in the world. You know, there's systems in place in our body that didn't come about um, by accident. It's the old argument of the watchmaker, right? How do you know that there's a watchmaker? Because this watch is so intricate, and each piece, if you take out one piece, the whole thing doesn't work. And so it's that argument where, so I think you can go either way. You can start from, from helping people understand why they should trust the Bible and then telling them what the Bible says. Or you can start, I think, from the other view as well, which is to say, let's look at the general revelation and then we'll look at the specific revelation of the Bible. So, hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. Thanks for tuning in today. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'd love to have you join us this Sunday, either in person or online. Check us out at 9 and 11 a.m. And if you need directions, find them at whitefieldschurch.com. I'll be with you again next week. God bless you and have a great rest of your day and a blessed weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.